This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, June 24th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village Hotel development gets contentious, summer soirees with Telluride Chamber music, Mountain Village bans plastic ahead of state law, and a mountain weather forecast. But first... On Friday, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down a decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and end the right to abortion in the United States. Local organizers are planning to hold a rally and march to show opposition to the decision. The rally will meet at the San Miguel County Courthouse at noon on Saturday, June 25th. A new hotel development in Mountain Village continues to hit roadblocks. Last week, Mountain Village Town Council discussed an amendment to a planned use development and design for a hotel in the Village Pond Plaza. This is the second hotel development currently before Mountain Village. They're the first hotel projects in Mountain Village in 15 years. The lot sits on just under one acre of land next to the Shirana and Westermeyer buildings on Mountain Village Boulevard. The proposed project plans for 62 hotel rooms, 22 condos, and 18 lodge units. The development also plans for 18 dorm-style employee housing units and two employee apartments. There will be retail, fine dining, a bar, a market, and a conference center wedding space. According to developers, Six Senses, a luxury hotel brand, has provided a letter of intent to operate the hotel. Matthew Shear with Vault Development working on the project says Mountain Luxury is the key. We want to create an iconic building, something that is really going to last for the next 50, 100 years um, with a real sense of timeless architecture. We definitely wanted to bring a five-star hotel and residence that is where the market is in Telluride and Mountain Village and Telluride as we speak. We want to activate the core. Mountain Village is a little quiet. Um, We thought it needs some more um, interesting F&B options. Mountain Village approved the current PUD on the lot in 2010. Shear notes they recently purchased the site and are requesting the amendment so their development can better suit the community than the previous design. When we first bought the property, we felt it was lacking in certain areas, one being uh, materiality. Um, We found that these large stucco walls of green and white stucco inappropriate. We found the cedar siding, frankly, to be, you know, not really appropriate for a uh, you know, the core, um, you know, the, the kind of fake uh, terracotta roof we didn't feel was, a, was forward-thinking enough. The proposed design is seven stories tall with a curved shape. Our job was to blend into the mountainscape, not copy or replicate other existing buildings in Mountain Village. We think that's a more forward-thinking, healthy approach uh, to really blend with the environment, not necessarily the neighboring buildings. So curved buildings did work better much better from a design standpoint to uh, also hide the verticality of the building. Um, The curvature creates this horizontality that I think lowers the building from a, a standpoint of scale. Council uses the town's community development code to evaluate the project while also looking to the current PUD that already stands. When it comes to PUD amendments, developers are asking to increase the maximum height of the building to 96 feet and 8 inches, roughly 8 feet taller than the current PUD. The average height requested would stand at roughly 82 feet. The development also requests amendments when it comes to roof pitch, exterior material, doors and windows of the exterior of the project, and increasing the amount of stone. 
In addition, the development asks to eliminate all public parking. But the height, mass, and scale is one of the key issues for Mountain Village Town Council. Here's Mayor Leila Benitez. Right now, it just looks like a monolithic giant span of steel and beautiful materials, but pretty big and massive. Sheer counters, if the town won't allow the mass and scale, it can't have the five-star luxury hotel. You can't have everything, guys. You can't say, I want a five-star hotel, I want everything, and I want you to do it in the same exact inch height as your original. It doesn't work like that. We have constraints. I'm willing to go any which direction that's feasible, but I'm not, I cannot afford, my company can afford to just be flailing in the wind. Shear says he needs more guidance from council on what an acceptable height would be. But Councilmember Marty Prohaska disagrees. I'm starting to sense that you have a sense of, you know, there's an entitlement here and, and there's not. Your only entitlement is for the PUD that exists Correct. and not the 40 different things that you've asked for in this amendment, in, in this PUD, right? So we are trying to come to an agreement with you about how we can move forward. And that is why the, one of the first questions was, how do we get to what you want with a lower height? And so you need to come to us and tell us what you can do with a lower, lower height. And then we can say, yes, we are not architects. We are not designers. We are not developers. We are trying to let our job is to listen to our community and give feedback based on that and what is best for our community and what is going to be here. You know, the six months you put into it, this is going to be here forever. At the end of a three hour discussion, Mountain Village Town Council moved to continue the discussion to another meeting on August 18th. If music be the food of love, play on. Telluride Chamber Music understood the brief. This weekend, it is kicking off the 20th year of Music Fest. The name of this uh, this year's season is Summer Soirees. And the idea is kind of to take people back to that feeling of gathering to listen to music. Um, we're going to have a bit of food and so on. And it's definitely yeah, a community thing of getting together. That's Claire Beard, executive director of Telluride Chamber Music. I also think with coming out of COVID and all of that, but it's a release listening to the music and seeing these incredible dancers and musicians. You know, it's a little escape from real life, um, but it's also just inspiring um, and something really just to bring everyone together. The Summer Soiree series will feature four concerts spread over one week with a mix of traditional and modern classical chamber music. The weekend starts with a performance called Climbing the Rafters with viola and percussion duo Duo Jalal. There will also be dancers from the Polobius Dance Company. We called it Climbing the Rafters because the, the venue is an old restored barn and the way they dance, it, like they might literally be climbing the rafters. <laughs> so that's going to be really special and we're running that this Saturday at 7.30 and then Sunday at 3pm. So we'll repeat the concert because it's a limited audience with the space we need for the dance. Tuesday is a Locals Artist Night featuring a number of local musicians. And we've got a really mixed program with that, everything from sort of traditional, classical. We're actually repeating the composer piece by Glenn Stoolkop that we did um, in the performance sustenance back in uh, March. And then we've even got some jazz at the end. We've got a bit of everything in that one. Finally, the performances on Thursday and Sunday called Beyond Brahms and Beyond Dvorak, respectively. 
And those two are called that because it's starting with a traditional, you know, we've got a traditional piece of music there, like a Brahms quintet or a Dvorak quintet, which classical music lovers will know and love. Um, but then we go well beyond that as well with the repertoire. The concert will take place in a restored barn with views of Mount Sunshine. It makes it really unique, for sure. It's, it's a very different vibe, and it's actually where a lot of chamber music started. Like back in the 17th, 18th century, um, you know, you had soiree concerts. It was it was in these beautiful homes and people came and did this. So it's kind of a nod to history in that way as well. The Summer Soiree series will kick off on Saturday, June 25th with performances on Sunday, June 26th, Tuesday, June 28th, Thursday, June 30th, and Sunday, July 3rd. Tickets are available at telluridechambermusic.org. Those interested in volunteering for the music series can email telluridechambermusic at gmail.com. Mountain Village is officially banning single-use plastics. In 2021, the Colorado State Legislature voted to ban single-use plastic bags and styrofoam takeout containers and implement a fee for paper bags. But the ban doesn't go into effect until 2024. So at a meeting last week, Mountain Village Town Council unanimously voted to ban single-use plastic one year ahead of the statewide ban going into place. It would go into effect in 2023. It's in alignment with um, the House bill, so it effectively bans styrofoam takeout food containers and plastic bags, and it also implements a bag fee of 20 cents per bag at point of sale. That's Lauren Kern, Environmental Efficiencies and Grant Coordinator for the Town of Mountain Village, speaking about the ban at a town council meeting earlier this year. Businesses would get to keep 40% of the bag fee, with the other 60% going back to the town for environmental and sustainability programs. The town of Telluride banned single-use plastic bags and created a bag fee in 2011. According to Kern, based on a survey of businesses in Mountain Village's core, the ban and fee won't be too much of an impact. Zero currently use styrofoam takeout food containers and one use plastic bags, so the effect of the ban would essentially be negligible on current business operations. Um, and then regarding the bag fee, 71 or excuse me, 75% said it was a positive or no impact to their business, and then 25% said it would have a negative effect. Um, and their main concerns were just the training of the cashiers, um, the expense to Mound Village visitors, and then um, just the fact that they would have to implement this new kind of tax burden. In a public hearing that lasted less than two minutes, Mountain Village Town Council unanimously voted to ban single-use plastic bags starting in 2023. Parking rates in the town of Telluride are going up. Starting this week, on-street parking went from $1.50 an hour to $2 an hour. Here's Telluride Finance Director Kaylee Ranta speaking before town council last week. This increase was proposed in order for the parking fund to cover operating expenses, make the required debt payments, and to possibly retire the Silver Jack bond at an earlier date. Town Manager Scott Robson adds the increase rate brings Telluride more in line with other similar mountain communities. The new parking rates went into effect on Monday, June 20th. 
to take care of the world, you have to take care of yourself. Next week, the Communities That Care Coalition is hosting a wellness workshop to learn how to revamp your habits and revamp your life. The workshop will be hosted by wellness expert Leanne Gerstbrein and focus on releasing unhealthy habits and making healthy changes stick. The wellness workshop will take place on Monday, June 27th at the AHA School for the Arts. Individuals can take a morning session from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. or an evening session from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Researchers say a bipartisan gun control bill at the U.S. Capitol could boost Colorado's efforts to reduce gun violence. Emmy Betts is a professor of emergency medicine who studied Colorado's red flag law over the last two years. It lets judges temporarily take guns away from people who pose a threat to themselves or others. Betts says the new federal package includes money that Colorado could use to educate more people on how to use red flag laws. But I also am excited to hear there's been discussion of improved um, education for law enforcement, for example, on how these orders work, how to file them what to do, and so forth. So just having the law isn't enough. Bet says she is more hopeful than she's been in a long time about the effort to reduce gun violence. The federal bill would offer states money to implement red flag laws like Colorado's. It also includes money for mental health programs, suicide prevention hotlines, and school safety. Coloradans are reacting with a mix of fear and joy to the Supreme Court's decision to end federal abortion protections. KOTO Scott Franz has more. Republican Party Chair Christy Burton-Brown says she was on the phone with her son when the decision came down. Just thinking of my own two children, that they will now grow up in a world where states have the right to protect children just like them from the very first moments of their creation. And I think that is a much better world for children to grow up in. But Democrat Denea Esgar, who serves as majority leader in the Colorado House, says the news was shocking and heartbreaking. It's definitely scary. And it's, I think some of us are afraid of what else can come next because of this. Um, and I think that, you know, definitely as a lesbian woman with a family, um, who is married right now. I'm, I'm nervous on many fronts, but luckily here in Colorado, uh, we saw this coming and we did everything we could during our legislative session to secure access to abortion and all reproductive health care. Escar says she and other lawmakers have no immediate plans to call a special session to pass any more bills related to abortion access. But she says she supports an effort to ask voters in two years to pass a constitutional amendment protecting abortion rights. I'm Scott Franz at the state capitol. Federal officials have kicked off a new round of negotiations for long-term management of the Colorado River. KUNC's Luke Runyon has more. The Bureau of Reclamation says it's time to start thinking of how the Colorado River should be managed beyond the year 2026. That's when the river's existing management guidelines expire. The notice goes out to water leaders across the seven western states that draw on it for drinking water for more than 40 million people. And it comes soon after the federal government called for an unprecedented amount of water conservation by the end of summer. They say that's the only way to keep its two largest reservoirs, Lakes Mead and Powell, from dropping to critically low levels. The notice means state officials will have to manage a short-term water crisis while starting to think about long-term solutions. I'm Luke Runyon. 
The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for partly cloudy skies tonight with a chance of showers and thunderstorms. Saturday, there is a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms, with a high in the mid-60s and a low around 50 degrees. Sunday, there's a 90% chance of precipitation with a high around 60 degrees. Sunday night, there's a 70% chance of showers and thunderstorms with a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, June 24. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hi, this is Douglas Tooley. I'm here today to talk about the 2022 Colorado primary election. The voting deadline for this is next Tuesday, June 28th. You might recall my 2016 commentaries supporting Bernie Sanders. Today, though, I'm going to encourage the 47% of San Miguel County residents registered as independent, unaffiliated voters to vote their Republican ballot. I had considered entering this election myself as a long-shot, unaffiliated challenger to Sheriff Bill Masters, first appointed in 1978. My health, though, would make that very difficult. Perhaps local author Robert Baer or local celebrity Ashley Bowling would challenge as an unaffiliated candidate. Certainly both would be qualified to run a Hunter S. Thompson, Freak Power, Pitkin County style campaign. I argue that the particular nature of corporate-funded establishment Democrats indirectly but very effectively drives lower and middle-income white voters to supporting the extreme right. This would notably include Donald Trump and our local Trumpess, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. I allege corporate establishment Democrats are indirectly working to support the insurrection of the far right. The worst of this occurs through the selective pandering of the establishment to the far left. It is, if you will, a divisive Punch and Judy puppet show expertly presented to us by our media. Social media itself has been built on encouraging that divisiveness and has been ever since its start. This can be seen in the year 2000 with the Supreme Court case Gore v. Bush and the granting of tech monopolies with the settlement in the Microsoft antitrust case. Although the epidemic of mass shootings in this country is being blamed on gun violence, it is in fact a known consequence of these divisive politics. It takes a village to raise a child, either healthy or violently dysfunctional. Although we are hearing from our media about the right-wing efforts to undermine voting rights, including the January 6th insurrection, the one-party Democratic state of San Miguel County effectively controls its own voters as well. This is done through housing and sexually malicious harassment, especially of progressive, fiscally literate men. That would include myself. If you are part of the 47% plurality of unaffiliated voters here, please, please vote for the moderate Republican challenger to Lauren Bubbard, Don Coram of Matrose. The rest of the Republican ballot is pretty easy to figure out as well. And maybe we could get Robert Baer or Ashley Bowling to step up as an appointed replacement for Sheriff Bill Masters. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.